0: Welcome to WITCH, the women in technology creative industries hub, elevating the voices of women in tech. My name is Bishi, the founder of WITCH. In this podcast, I'll be talking to a woman in tech about her work, journey, life, and process. In this episode, I'm talking to musician, composer, and cellist, Abby Wade, exploring the relationship between the cello and technology. Please do like, review and subscribe. We're a new podcast and every bit of support helps. Hello, Abby Wade, and welcome to The Witch Podcast. Tell me, how do you describe yourself and your practice?
1: Well, I think it changes, doesn't it? I mean, originally I, I considered myself a singer-songwriter but with a cello. And then I started introducing a lot more electronics. Uh, so now, um, f- I don't know. I've 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 started doing all the production as well and mixing. Um, so I guess I've come to the point where I call myself a composer, which sounds very grand, but uh, I guess that encompasses uh, everything that I do. You know, it's all all based around music of of some in some way, and whether that's more artistic installations or kind of the traditional release uh, of a vinyl or you know something like that. so yes yeah, a composer I guess is, is what I call myself now.
0: I think that's incredibly accurate because you use you use technology in a really interesting way. What kind of tech do you use? I know you make installations and I know you've been incorporating things like Roly into your life setup. Mm-hmm. So could you tell us a bit more?
1: Um, Yeah, so traditionally, I play cello and piano and uh, sing as well. Um, And now I've brought on, I've got really interested in sampling, recording, location recordings. And um, I feel that it gives it a real uh, sense of place and space, which I really love. So integrating that into various um, machines, whether that's uh, the drum machines. I use a lot of samples in, um, in my drum machine kind of loops, which I use the Electron Rhythm uh, or, or Ableton <laughs> a drum kind of rack. I use both uh, depending on what the project kind of calls for. I also have the Rolies, obviously, and um, I've been getting into Massive, the synth Massive, and also using uh, samplers on Logic and manipulating it through through their through their um so with Roly, I guess I need to explain Roly, yes, you play different, you can play all the notes, but you can also change various parameters, so that that's great for me. I can link any kind of effect or filter, and when I play a note, I just kind of move my finger up or down or harder or lighter, and it will change the sound from uh, which feels quite organic and um, i don't know really i really love i really love it for that um, the 5d touch the 5d touch yeah so coming from playing the piano it's a kind of hybrid you know somewhere between cello and piano really because the cello you get that movement constantly of you know your fingers have got to always be alive you know when you're playing even if it's just one note you're constantly slight vibrato or you know where your bow is on the on the string it's it's constantly changing um, and the Roly is a bit like that. You don't, unless you set it to be kind of on piano mode, it's got much more kind of expression in that so you can continuously be adapting that note, even if you hold it for like the whole song, you know, you can adapt it. So I enjoy the kind of cross between the two um, with that expression of the Roly. I also do use um, some synthesis, I've got MS-20, and other electron gear as well. The Octotrack. I've done a few tracks with the tracks with that. And wow, what's an Octatrack? Octatrack is another of the electron gear. So they create various machines, and this one is a sampler. It's called a dynamic sampler or something. Um, it's their kind of branding, <laughs> um, and it's got eight tracks, hence Octotrack. And you put in. Or you load everything in, so it hasn't got any sounds itself. So you load all of the samples in and you manipulate them using different triggers. They're kind of like, it's quite complicated. (laughs) (laughs) So you you can, it's a sequencer. And then on each trig of the sequencer, you can change whatever parameter. There's loads of LFOs, effects that you can run it through. Um, And I find it's got a really lovely sound to it. Um, and if you're bringing in lots of different samples, sometimes just putting them all through the same machine really pulls it all in together. So I really like that about the OctoTrack. Um, I don't use it all the time, but again, like if, if the project's right, then I'll use it for that. Um, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Other, other gear I've got in my studio. Um, I've got the Analog 4. Yeah. Which, again, is one of the electron gears. It's the synthesizer. It's quite a broad... It's got a broad spectrum, so you can do bass sounds, you can do ARP, you can do synthesis. And it has a lot of presets that you can load up and then adapt, um, which is quite fun. You can also run external gear through it and manipulate it with the LFOs. And there's a couple of um, effects slots in in that unit as well.
0: How did you find your way into this technological setup?
1: Ah... I think I was doing singer songwriter stuff, and I was loving experimenting with that um so I play the cello quite experimentally. I use beaters and doorknobs and all sorts of stuff to kind of expand that sound it's very it's it's got a great it's got a great body like literally has the body to project sound, so if you're hitting it you can kind of feel it and um it's almost like a drum, so it's it's quite, it's an expressive instrument. And um, so starting from that and then wanting to really look at those smaller sounds and amplify them, I think that started my quest into technology. I wanted a way to to be able to... Uh, express those smaller sounds within my setup where otherwise they would get lost and so it started from the amplification really and then it just grew from there uh, with you know the love of delay and reverb and wow like just those two things you can do so much with. Um, Yeah so I think I was definitely initially a little bit timid around around technology and then, oh i can relate to that
0: <laughs> and then
1: i realized just like the opportunities that it would give me and um so i i just went i just went fuck it let's do this let's just like <laughs> let's buy the gear let's go on youtube and watch tutorials and uh you know you can get so far um so definitely not being not being afraid of it and taking those steps yeah I think that answers my, your question i'm not sure
0: <laughs> yeah well it's a little bit of a hybrid of arthur russell and charlotte Mormon. um yeah i think that's what i mean although it's very very different there's that performance element to it i mean you're not like you know you don't have uh, TV sets as a, a as a cello, which was actually my favourite thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's it's definitely taking the, the 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 cello in a really bold direction. Could you? How would you describe influences? who Who are your Who are your musical influences?
1: Oh, um, Laurie Anderson was a big influence. Um remember like the first time i heard about her just being blown away um um I'm trying to think of ones i was influenced by a lot of classical music as well like uh i absolutely love chopin its nocturnes just blow me away still to this day um and eric yeah. satie I was in love with that. And I think that's what made me go on to do music and art at university. Um, And then going there, I started to discover more of the avant-garde kind of um, artists. And yeah, I'm sure there's loads of people, but yes Arthur Russell um definitely a massive influence to me um and more recently Hilda who did the Joker soundtrack I'm hugely inspired by what she's doing yeah I absolutely love her Julia Kent another cellist just stunning um so yeah I I don't know so many so yeah. many I'm so I can't I can't pull them all out of the ether right now but yeah I uh I i there's so many people to draw from but yeah those are definitely some of the, some of my influences
0: <clears throat> i completely understand that i think like i mean not that this is going to happen anytime soon but it would be hell to go on desert island discs <gasps> and only pick eight songs mm, no like, i don't what, think I can <laughs> <laughs> like what, like just the thought of it not that i'm close to it but just the thought of it stresses me out because yeah because of the way you process music, you know, I've DJed so many different styles, mm. I've made so many different styles, I've collaborated with so many different kinds of musicians, mm. it's like, where the fuck do you start, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, my playlists are just mad. Yeah. I was brought up, my dad's American, I was brought up on Bruce Springsteen, Dolly Parton, you know, it's just like, it's just a jumble, but uh, I love that, I love playlists that just go all over the place. Um, do you have a bit
0: of love for the boss?
1: Oh yeah for sure yeah it just it, it's hard isn't it when you're brought up with something and you just live with it all the time you can't can't not love it
0: <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely absolutely and and wow growing up with Dolly Parton yeah. I'm quite jealous
1: Full blast in the car, yeah.
0: I did grow up with Indian classical music, which also is amazing. Very amazing. Yes. yes. And when my mum went to make an album when I was nine, she gave me a Beatles 62 to 66 mm. cassette tape so that I wouldn't feel lonely. Oh, so, that's um, a brilliant gift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I love the Beatles and I really don't like it when people diss them. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just not on. Well, no, it's just yeah. childhood.
1: It's your like...
0: Yes! Too deep. And also, like they were wokeness because in the sixties, because when they went to India, it was because they wanted to learn about the culture, mm. not just wear the jackets and do the. You know, they they were the, as far away from Ab Fab as you can get. <laughs> even though I find Ab Fab hilarious, they went there to actually learn the culture and learn about the culture. So I really don't like it when people diss them. But anyway,
1: we're totally <laughs> going off. are
0: totally going off on a tangent. Um, so. Could you talk about a project that you're working on currently?
1: Yeah. um, So currently we have, I do an installation project called Gestalt with my partner Joel, uh, Joel Wells. And we are creating an app-based piece um, and it's in the early stages. Um, But yeah, just working with a coder to try and get... Uh, Unity, which is the app world, to uh, to create a um, location-based piece for choir uh, and synth <laughs> together. Um, so it's, yeah, we're developing that and uh, we're hoping to release it this year. Um, so that's something that I'm working on at the moment. Um, we're also... I'm going to be performing, obviously, on the 5th. Yes! (laughs) And um, so working with Binaural Sound for that one. um, And I'm adapting a couple of my solo tracks to do that alongside a couple of the Gestalt tracks as well. Um, And we've been doing, for Gestalt, we've been going around different locations in London and creating um, location-based tracks um, all all, all of them so far have been installations. Um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to do a performance slash installation for each one. Um, yes, yeah, so that we'll be using a couple of those tracks as well for the for the performance. So just uh, adapting that to work in a different setting because they've all been kind of installations. Some of them have been installations slash performances, but not all of them. So just just adapting that as well.
0: <clears throat> and is it me, or did you work with Hinako on a On an installation. I
1: did, yes.
0: So the fabulous Hinako Omori, who is also a musician and a producer, um, she plays keys for the likes of James Bay and Kate Tempest. And the two of you worked on a project last year.
1: We did. What was that all about? So that was one of these location projects around London, based around London, and it was in Brixton Windmill. Which is I don't know if um, everyone's heard about it, but it's this amazing place which is just so bizarre. <clears throat> it's a beautiful windmill in Brixton, and people that live there don't not everyone even knows about it that lives in Brixton, um, and it's kind of tucked in Blenheim Gardens, which is right next to the famous windmill pub where all of the, you know the bands go. Um, I've been fucked in that pub. <laughs> yeah
0: sorry i had to add that in
1: i think there's there's some good parties that happen in that oh yeah i mean it looks like it from the outside as well uh, as well as the inside um yeah so great great location and i don't know much about windmills um but we went in there we got the grain you know going through and we recorded all the sounds and then um when we got all the samples, it just so happened that the notes were just kind of going to, I think it was a B-flat minor, if I remember rightly, it might have been A-flat minor. Uh, so that immediately sets uh, sets kind of where you're headed uh, with the track, which I love about location recording, it just takes you on a different journey every time, so... So that building had this this particular key and that was it really. I just got Hinako to come in. Um, and we prepared a piano together, which was a lot of fun. We're just kind of trying out different sounds. And I So th-
0: for our listeners, how do you prepare a piano?
1: Ah. Um <clears throat> well my I'm my, um, luckily luckily my dad is a carpenter. So I basically like went into his into his um workshop which he doesn't know and just took loads of <laughs> screws and like various oh, i don't know the weirdest things that you can get in a workshop these like little plastic clips i don't even know what they did they yeah. look i don't know what they look like um Probably not appropriate to talk about on a podcast. Um, <laughs> you, <laughs> you put them I like, just put them in. I between, think I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, you put them in between the strings and tie ribbon. Um, we had a rubber glove in there. I don't know if that even did anything, but it looked great. Um, yeah. and it, I'm sure it muted it a little bit. Uh, What was my favourite ones? I think kind of the clips were great because you got a little rattle on the edge. You'd get the kind of pluck and then the rattle of the string afterwards. You clip it around the string within the body of the piano. Um, I love doing prepared piano. I feel like there's something so... You never get it the same each time. Well, I, I haven't anyway. I haven't got that knack. So every time it's different and you record it, that's it. You know, it's very hard to go back. You can't edit it. It's happened and, and that's it. So I like that about it. Um, I started like, drawing out maps and stuff to try and remember where it all goes. But it's never the same the second time you prepare it. Um, so I really love that. And it was a lot of fun to have Hinako over on my kind of it's my grandfather's piano, actually. Uh, and it's nice to kind of go and play on that and create something. Um, yeah, awesome. And awesome. so how did
0: this work in relation to the windmill then?
1: So once... It, like, did
0: you move the piano there or...
1: No, we no. recorded it uh, in response to the samples and then we created a piece uh, around those samples from the windmill and from the samples that Hinako did and we, we then arranged that. Oh, and sorry, <laughs> hit the mic. Getting animated. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> then... So the the windmill is on four different kind of levels. So we created a piece that had these four levels that reacted to different cultures and movements uh from Brixton. Um and as you walked through or climbed up the ladders into the next stage it merged kind of self-mixed into the next section. Um, and there was also these visuals that were created by Jake Gowan um, and he had found footage, like found footage from different places uh, in Brixton and used that to create four different feels that worked alongside the the music. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, the... God,
0: that sounds wonderful. And can we look at this on your website?
1: Uh, you can. There's a link through from, from the website and also on YouTube as well. Fantastic. Adult, yeah.
0: Well, I will link them in the show notes. So, are there any other women in tech who inspire you? I'm sure there are.
1: <laughs> women in tech that inspire me. Um, gosh, I just think at the moment, a lot of the like the people that I'm meeting actually are really inspiring. You know, you Thank and you. <laughs> uh, Hannah Peel, yeah, um, and. No, Hinako as well is just amazing synth player. Um, who else? Just there's so many. Imogen Heap obviously yeah. huge inspiration and has been you know for for a long time. Mm. Um, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, again, there's there's so many. I'm mm. so bad with names, but yes. Uh, so I know that when Hilda was making
0: the Chernobyl soundtrack, she actually explored the cello as a noise instrument. Mm. Um, do you have any information or like you know can you expand on that slightly or
1: um, I'm not sure. I know that she did a lot of location recordings mm. and went there and explored it um, I I don't think I've yeah. heard as much about the noise stuff no but worries. I know that yeah. she's very creative with, with the thing that I've heard of this kind of awesome cello that she's got um, which I'm trying to find out more about and I haven't managed to mm. yet. But um <clears throat> yeah. Uh I I am terrible. I'm terrible like I'm gonna admit this, there was an amazing cellist that came to my university and did a performance when I was studying in Brighton and um and I never have been able to find out what her name was. It was one of those things where she yeah. came in and performed and I never found out where she you know, who she was. She was from Japan. Um and she was doing a lot of percussive uh, stuff with the, with cello. Um, and although I'd already started doing that myself, actually, from from the concept of finding out about prepared piano, I was like, "Well, do that with cello." <laughs> um, so I'd already started doing it, and then she she came and kind of concreted that and gave me a few more ideas. She did a lot of detuning and stuff as well. Um, which is, you know, amazing. If you you pull that low C down, and it's just like, it's like yeah. awesome, awesome sound. Um, yeah, but no, I need to look into more about more about. That would there be, the would scoring. there be a
0: way of of preparing a cello, or would that just not work?
1: Yeah, no, I do, I do do that a little yeah. bit. Um, so I have this little doorknob, which is basically like a cupboard doorknob and i use it as a capo um basically capo's just two of the strings though it's not like a full capo uh, so i use that and slide that up and down um and i guess using beats and stuff is a way of preparing it because it's i guess and tying stuff around i've, I've experimented with various things um, i also i also love to play the cello very lightly so you get a lot of those bow harmonics which you know sounds like a normal harmonic but you're just playing it really lightly with the bow and you get this kind of ethereal sound and exploring distortion and stuff as well it's a lot of fun yeah I think I think that it's definitely come from that though that kind of prepared piano and then doing it with the cello and then coming back to the prepared piano again um more like in the recent years um I love to explore sounds in that way definitely
0: what was the first piece of technology that really had an impact on you and this can be as basic as parents hi-fi or a cassette recorder or, you know, or a really shitty synth that <laughs> might, you know, like like a shitty children's synth.
1: I'm trying to think what my...
0: Because those are all things that really affected me.
1: Yeah, those those early... Yeah. I think my... Uncle gave me a Casio keyboard when I was really—I didn't even really know what it was—and <laughs> um, it had those kind of those green buttons, and you could put like random beats on and stuff. And I remember thinking that this was just a whole nother world because I went to classical piano lessons and I'd never touched a keyboard before, so um, that was that was pretty. Pretty crazy. I remember getting that, and uh, I was never really that interested into in Game Boys and stuff. My brothers had a Game Boy, and uh, I didn't have that competitive urge to to win the games. I think so. I didn't really bother with that so much. So this kind of Casio keyboard was probably my kind of Game Boy in a way because I just loved it. um Yeah, I guess I guess that's the first one, and also cassette player. Yeah, a recorder I remember getting a cassette recorder what
0: oh, what did you record
1: <gasps> oh I just I don't know I just <laughs> just conversations I must have been really annoying thinking back on it just uh and I lived in the countryside so I would go out and record things and and also like myself I was at that time I was playing guitar so I would record guitar parts and the radio and oh I don't know everything anything that I thought oh that. That sounds like it could be useful. I just record it and <laughs> I wanna listen back to that, yeah.
0: I would tape things off the radio as well. I oh, would yeah. I, I I would tape songs off the top forty. Mm-hmm. Um also my my mum and I used to make radio shows together. So Aww. hey, that obviously had an effect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and we would make up songs together. We'd we'd yeah, it was
1: amazing.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess that all has an effect. Um and I think I even had a Barbie tape play, even though I wasn't the biggest Barbie <gasps> yeah. person. I, I wasn't remember the biggest those, yeah. The pink, like, yes. yeah, I do. I think
1: I remember those Barbie.
0: <laughs> <take> <laughs> I know. But yeah, thank thanks for the gender stereotyping guys. <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's it's re- it's really helped us all. Um could you explain to our listeners what a roly is?
1: how many words have I got um (laughs) roly it's
0: a squishy keyboard
1: so yeah it's it feels quite sexy it's quite squishy (laughs) it's got this rubber texture to it and um which is
0: a bit like a like a like a wetsuit it's kind of made out of that yeah Yeah.
1: kind of neo yeah neoprene or whatever but it's uh it's more rubbery than that even I think um And yeah, it's like a gel. It feels like a gel underneath. I have seen someone rip it apart and it's yeah, some kind of weird uh, gel underneath that responds to the pressure um, of your touch and also the strike. Uh, You can have a completely different kind of set of parameters for that. And um, so your X, Y and Z, I guess, as well. So if you go up and down, you can slide from one note pitch-wise to the other or whatever parameter you want to uh, map to that. Mm. Also up and down. So if you were to hold your finger at the bottom of a piano note and then slide it all the way up to the top of the piano note, um, so away from you, you can have a completely different parameter on that as well. Um, And then they have their whole... like They have a whole bunch of uh, other um, devices that you can connect to it via... Like these magnets.
0: Yes. Basically. Yeah.
1: Uh, and you can also go Bluetooth, which I love. Yeah. Um, I'm really loving Bluetooth. I fucking hate wires. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> because
0: you often, I've seen in pictures on your Instagram, you connect four or five of them together.
1: I do, yes. And
0: what kind of an effect does this create? Is, it, it, like, is this just so you can go up the range of a keyboard easier?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's for that. I also have a couple of sounds on there. So I separate my keyboard. It's one keyboard and it uh, shows up as one keyboard in Ableton. But I have the lower octave and a bit as my bass. And then I have a kind of piano-y synth above that. Um, and initially I only had two. And I was having to just jump through octaves so much. So I, I, I got another one. Um, yeah. So now I've got three and also i have a cello i have like the interface i have all this gear and i just love that i can break it up into three yeah. and put it in a backpack yeah. and from carrying weighted keyboards around it's just heaven sure <laughs> absolute heaven to do that um and yeah and i get all this kind of new expressive stuff to work out it's not i still request a piano though if i if i can have one because it doesn't it doesn't work in the same way it doesn't um doesn't feel the same as playing the piano at all um which is fine like fine for me I just I've I've gone with it but I think people some people can get frustrated by that um so yeah if it's a piano piece that I've written I I tend to use a real piano um or I, I've adapted it to work uh, as something slightly different more synth led um, and bass because yeah for that reason it doesn't it doesn't it's not a it's not a piano it's not a keyboard it's something else um, yeah. and I love it I love it for that.
0: Fantastic and what are your plans for 2020?
1: Create and write and I'm reading a lot about the environment I'm really passionate about you know what's happening at the moment um, to our to our environment and our world and I just want people to wake up to that. Uh, so I'm working on that uh, project for that at the moment and it's quite a big thing for me. So I've been reading up a lot on on the impacts, you know, uh, and the various things and just how that all in- interlinks and it's just so, you know, so complex. Um, and, yeah, so that's my life at the moment in the evenings is reading books on on environment uh, there's an amazing book called The End of Ice that I'm reading at the moment I would hugely recommend it to anyone Uh, because not only is it about the environment it's just about these amazing journeys that this guy makes and um, yeah it's an awesome awesome book and it's you can read it as well it's not like too dry yeah (laughs) because some of some of them are are pretty just facts and that's quite intense Mm. Um, but this book is just it's just about the beauty of the world, and and uh, I think it makes it, in some ways, just all the more heartbreaking. But yeah, but it's definitely it's not it's not a really depressing book either. So I would definitely recommend recommend it. Um,
0: Fantastic, um, the end of ice, and who is that by? Uh,
1: Jamal. I'd have to look it up. I can't okay. remember the 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 author. I'm so bad at names, but I will um I will tell you, and we can pop it in the link.
0: Fantastic. Yes, I'll link that in the show notes. So, Abby Wade, thank you so much for coming on the Witch podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. Yes.
0: Thank you so much, Abby Wade, for being my guest on this episode. And thank you all for tuning in and subscribing. Thanks to The Rattle for all of their technical support on this podcast. You can find out more about Witch at Instagram, Facebook and twitter.com forward slash witch. You can go to witch.com to find out news and updates and to sign up to our monthly newsletter. Until next time, thanks and goodbye.